1: Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, it's still Christmas where I am. I don't know if you can see the Christmas tree behind me. My in-laws have not taken down their Christmas tree. I maybe I should be a nice son-in-law and do that for them um, today because I'm in a good mood because the Knicks are coming off a win. Because what a great, great win that was! My goodness, it's just uh, inspiring is the only word I can think of. Jeremy Cohen, I am equally inspired. No, that that would be mean if I said that. I was gonna say I'm equally inspired looking at your smiling
2: face. <laughs> well, yeah, you want me to give you a lackluster effort in the first half, and then <laughs> I'll I'll come out fine in the second because I can do that, John. You
0: could just take it if you here. showed
2: up drunk <laughs> and then like I mean, <laughs> sobered midway through the pod. <laughs> then it
0: would. Be who's to say that's thing. not right
1: now?
2: You know, I mean, it's not, but who's to say it could be? It could have been. I mean, it's not nah. noon
1: yet in our time zone, but it's, it's five o'clock somewhere. Exactly. Hair of the dog. Um,
2: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, how you doing, Jeremy? I'm good, John. It was a good week for the Knicks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know what? Look,
1: um, we've I'm a lot older than you, but we've both been watching basketball for long enough to, I think, appreciate, at the end of the day, 82 game season, long season, not as long as the baseball season, but long season.
2: Wins are wins are wins. Are, are they not to some extent? Oh, yes, they are. You take your wins and at the end of the season, you add them up and you get to the number you need. At this point, is was it the most optical? <laughs> uh, no, optical it was optimal. Excuse me. Uh, clearly still drunk. No, it was not. But you got to win. And when you walk away with a two in one week, especially when the other one could have been. I mean, you give uh, the Mavs, you spot them what forty four in the first. It's hard to come back from that. So, uh, all in all, I'm still happy with the production, and yeah, it's it's two wins versus zero or one. So we'll take it.
1: It was neither uh, optical or optimal, uh, but yes, a, a two and one week is a is a two and one week, and um, that brings the Knicks to six and one since the trade that will um, not only. Define this season, but but probably define this this era, right? This this tenure of Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau and so on and so forth. Um, and it brings the Knicks to 23 and 16 on the year. So uh, just a quick recap of the week that was. Obviously, we're referencing the Memphis game from last night. Before that, um, the Knicks started off the week with a very uh, resounding win over the Portland Trailblazers. Although, given how the Blazers have performed in general over the last uh, week and change. I'm not sure if I feel like only beating the Blazers by 28 points is actually not as that impressive. <laughs> That's how you do in Portland. And then it, it it goes, I'm looking at the score. It went down as a four point loss to Dallas, but man, um, sometimes the final score could be deceiving because that was a, that was a, that was a rough game. Um, all, all around and uh, a strange game in retrospect and one that I, I kind of somewhat like this Memphis game. Hope we could kind of throw in the trash. Um, I think, is it fair? Let's say, let's go with this. Is it fair to say, Jeremy, before we maybe talk about a takeaway from the last week slash maybe since the OG trade um, that this next month when the Knicks are, are, home essentially the entire time save one trip to Charlotte that this next month will kind of set their course for this year as to whether this they could you know secure a, a home court advantage in the first round maybe even screw around and get a 3 seed as opposed to p- potentially I, I, is the play in on the table at this point I don't even know like what wh- where's your mind at
2: it has to be just considering how bunched up the Standings are where you lose one game, you're in jeopardy of having to play one to two games in a knockout situation. Yeah. Um, you win one to two more games, you don't have to worry about that, and maybe you even have home court advantage. The Knicks are so close to all those teams, but also to the Sixers and to a lesser extent the Bucks. Where if you can win all of these games that you've got at home, if you can beat the inferior opponents that you're going to face. And we just talking about stacking up those wins, you turn around, hey, those however many games that Joel Embiid had to miss with the Sixers, well, it hurt them and it hurts them enough where maybe it costs them home court advantage. Maybe they're not a top four seed. Maybe they even fall as far to the play in round and then it becomes a whole other thing. So I think it it's given where they're at, given that it's been six and one, that they have a favorable schedule. Yes, got to take care of business because if you can also make it to the trade deadline before making any significant move and then you make some sort of addition on top of that and you've won all these games in the month of January and a little bit of February, then it's, all right, we're in a really great spot. Add another player, keep the momentum, see where the chips fall at the end. But yeah, I mean, it's, these are, I wouldn't call these the dog days of basketball, but in a way, this is kind of like the time where not a whole lot, will happen. It's not that stretch of hey, this is the final stretch. It's let's get serious. Teams haven't started the tank entirely. I mean, obviously some have. So it's right now, the build up to the trade deadline that is the most important but also kind of quietest time outside of that level of chatter.
1: Very quick offshoot. Um, my biggest hesitancy in in thinking that they're going to be able to make a real run at 3 seed is Joel Embiid has already missed um 10 games, which means he can miss, correct me if I'm wrong. It's 60. You have to play 65, right? To qualify mm-hmm. for MVP. Yeah now, okay. So he can miss seven more games. And beat has been on the record about how much individual awards mean to him. Like I, any, anything could happen. And like, he could really like genuinely be banged up and like miss more than seven games for the rest of the year. My suspicion is if there's any way that he can play at least 65, he's going to play 65. So you know, I, I for me, my focus is on just trying to get the four seed, but like whatever it's six, six, one, half those, the other, it's not a, it's not a worth talking about right now. It's too early. Um, yeah. The, it, it's funny. You bring up the trade deadline. So like, I guess my takeaway from this, from this week is that this is an incomplete basketball team. And even in the Dallas game, which I like, is not a revelatory statement, even in the Dallas game um, when they came out and did not take that opponent seriously enough. And like, you know, Andrew mentions in our rundown here, like, do the Knicks need to stop playing with their food? Like, yeah, they did that. But at the same time, like that would have been like, that was a classic Emmanuel quickly game, right? A game where IQ comes in and kind of writes the ship and gets them, gets them settled and gets them, where they need to go and they probably make up enough ground earlier to the point that they didn't need to do all of it in the fourth quarter. And then I don't know if they ran out of gas, but whatever the case may be. Um, and they don't have that guy r- right now with all the respect to Deuce McBride, who had the best game of his career against the Grizzlies. We could talk about that later and like whatever, but I I still view this team as like this week for me solidified. They There's a piece... That's not here right now. And maybe, and maybe multiple pieces that are not here right now, because I just looked it up before we came on. Isaiah Hardenstein, last seven games, 12th in the league in minutes. Um, not, probably not what you want. Uh, if, even if you're Isaiah Hardenstein, it's probably not what you want.
2: I'd agree. Yeah, the Knicks are an Emmanuel quickly away from being a much more complete <laughs> team. Yes, which uh, is difficult when you can't have Emmanuel quickly. But that's okay because the Knicks can find someone who can at least mitigate that. Especially when you consider how there have been, what, at least four stretches of times of at least five minutes since the OG trade where the Knicks just haven't hit a field goal. And that does not feel like a random occurrence. There's there's strong, high correlation with IQ not being here and that happening. So... Yes, Deuce had a great game in Memphis. He obviously played very well in Philly last week, too. But there's a need, a clear-cut need of someone else to run the run point. And, you know, I don't think it's so much playing with your food being an issue because the Knicks have had success against these under 500 teams. I think this week they just struggled to take the Mavs as seriously, although... when I I think about it, was it really about not taking them seriously or was it just poor play? Because Brunson, of course, takes every game against the Mavs seriously. Julius Randle, being from Dallas, takes it seriously. And you've got enough high um, energy and, and high motor guys that I don't think anyone's really taking the night off. But for whatever reason on the defensive end, it wasn't there. The Mavs are hitting an insane amount of shots. The Knicks were also missing, I think at one point, they were, what, four of 17 from three? So, Yes, I think effort was a smidge of it, maybe on the defensive end, for sure. But a lot of it just felt like the Knicks missing shots. Tim Hardaway Jr. feeling like he always gets hot around around the Knicks. And Kyrie, of course, going off. And then you could say, well, of course, the Mavs, if they had Luka, they would have done even better. I'm still a little skeptical, not in the terms of the talent of Luka. (laughs) I just wonder about the impact of having Luka, someone who's so heliocentric, so talented, and the impact of the other players and how they can play freely or or not. And specifically specific in that game. It doesn't even matter because it wasn't there. But with the Grizz's game, yes, that was very much the whole team's out. It could have been a trap game. And fortunately, Tenno run by the Knicks in the second half is what really was the difference.
1: I love that you made those points. Um, with Luca. I mean, look, yes, yeah, so there are. They're better. T- well, actually, the numbers say they're not a better team with Luca on the floor this season. If you're just looking at on us, which is like take it with a grain of salt, but the numbers say that they're actually better when when Luca's off the floor this season. Um, but you know, for the 38 or 36 or 40, whatever minutes he would have played in that game, they replaced those minutes with uh, much better defense than Luca would have given them, and like that definitely showed. And I think that has a lot to do with why the Knicks kind of struggled offensively, but just to bring it back to the point that I raised Brunson finished. Well, he he had a strong fourth quarter, like his numbers ended up being good, but Brunson was not good for certainly the first half. And I would argue merely for the first three quarters. Randall had a couple of nice stretches, but it really drove home for me. Like if Brunson is having an off game or like in Memphis, he wasn't there at all. Like they, they don't, there's no one else to pick up the slack and it to reference your point that you just made they made some nice pushes in the Dallas game and then those were counterbalanced by stretches where the offense completely went away so there's such a there's such a lack of of um consistency right now inter and again this is not to say their offense is bad their offense by any metric you want to look at continues to be gangbusters but when you're talking about trying to get to that next level, and that's where that's the conversation we're having. Right. We're talking mm-hmm. about a team that could make a run for the three seed that could maybe end up in a conference finals like this is the this is the point where we're at. You need to check all the boxes. You can't just check some of the boxes. So I don't know. Well, you're doing a, a, a not to spoil our end of pod announcements, but you're doing a, a cap or no cap um Wait, is it cap or no cap, or We're doing, cream? Cream. We're doing yeah, cream. Sorry, yeah, that'll be cream up. this week. So I, I, I don't want to do too much trade stuff because I'm sure you're going to d- deal with a lot of trade stuff when you
2: do cream um, on uh, uh, Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Or am yep. I making that up? This, this is a great yep. verb. Yes, uh, when I cream on Tuesday, that's exactly what we have planned for everyone. Um, thank you, John. <laughs> yes. So, but I, I, yeah. it's a good point. And I, I think that getting another lead guard to kind of put a bow on this will certainly help. With that, ultimately, and this is not something that we solved this season, having that third high profile creator, someone else that you can have on the offense, adding that to the tandem of Brunson and Randall is a far better way to navigate this than taking, you know, someone like Randall out and bringing someone superior to him because you're still dealing with a similar issue, especially depending on the type of player that it would be, the health of that player, all these other factors of the guys that we want to look at the availability everything so that should help next year but we're not in next year we don't really care about next year as much right now care about this year and uh you would hope that someone can mitigate that but it's still just going to be incumbent upon that duo to get the job done and if we see a game like dallas it's not gonna happen they they need to up their game there I would love to see my, my daughter's very upset about the fact that they don't have anybody else uh, to
1: create offense for them. Um, I would love to see them, and I, I understand it's probably not realistic. It would be cool to see them get a, a legit third creator before the deadline, not the sort of superstar or even star level player, but like, I, I don't know, someone that could like. I, again I don't want to step on trade talk cuz you're going to deal with that on Tuesday night but like the no, like what would Jordan Clark what would this team look like with like Jordan Clarkson on it like he's not he's not great I mean he was, you talked about Clarkson last week there's reasons to think that they would not go down that road we again we don't need to get into it but just throwing a name out there right that's a guy who could in the classic sense create his own offense I, I don't know I just wonder what it would look like um and how much it, and especially again if that if that player is a ball handler, uh, you know, nominal point guard, whatever. But um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, 25 days to the trade deadline, as, as it were.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: you give out some game balls? Uh, I feel like there's a, there's some good stuff to d- dig into here because there's a lot of candidates mm-hmm. for this week. So game ball is a reminder given out to a player, coach, or entity that stood out this week and deserves special recognition. So our candidates, I did not write any of this, by the way. As you know, Andrew Claudio painstakingly does the rundown for these episodes. So I'm just reading the words that he wrote. The first words. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. Tom Thibodeau. Those are the mm-hmm. first words that he wrote down. They are. First candidate for the game ball. Okay. So I didn't write that. Became the 36th coach in NBA history to reach 500 wins on Saturday night. Second candidate for the game ball. Jonathan Macri. Oh, that's me. Why? Tips became the 36th coach in NBA history to reach 500 wins on Saturday night. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, another 20 rebound game on Saturday since Mitch went down on uh, December 11th. Only, oh, these are some good stats. Only Sabonis and Giannis have more rebounds in the entire league. That's, I did not know that. That's wild. Only SGA, uh, Alperin, Sanjun, Sanjun and uh, Dante Dante DiVincenzo, whoa, wow, has more steals. And only Anthony Davis has the same number of stocks. So that is steals plus blocks. So pretty, pretty nifty stats here for Hardenstein. Deuce with Pride, 15 for 28 and at 9 from 18. Um, 15 from 28 overall and nine for eighteen from three this week. He's shooting fifty-one point seven percent from three in the seven games since the trade. Um, also shooting forty-eight percent overall for the year uh from three. So pretty good numbers there. Quentin Grimes, eight of nineteen from three this week in just fifty-one minutes. And finally, uh Emmanuel Quickly penned a beautiful farewell to the Knicks and uh, their fans in Um, the Players' Tribune this week. So,
2: it is your pick, Mr. Cohen. It is, yes. I'm going to go Deuce. I will take Miles McBride. Yes, had a very great game against Memphis. And how lucky are the Knicks? Excuse me. Wow. How lucky are the Knicks? They get the opportunity to uh, employ Deuce McBride for the foreseeable future. He's going off, and they already have him under contract for a good stretch. Uh, What? $13 $13 million over the following three years. And you have to think if Deuce were entering free agency this year, based on how he's playing, would he make more than 13 million over the next three years? And I think the answer has to be yes. Right, John, that it would be, you look at a 23 year old point guard right now, or I guess more off ball guard, but even still shooting like that, he's got, he's up to 71st percentile in offensive EPM. He is, as you put it, 47.9% from three on some really good um frequency. He is in the 90th percentile in effective field goal percentage. He's in the 83rd percentile in true shooting percentage. This is, mind you, someone who his rookie season was in the first percentile in both categories, the fourth in true shooting, and the fifth in effective field goal percentage. So testament to how hard he's working, how uh, the Knicks have been able to develop him and now the role that he's playing. But he's holding it down. And ultimately I still don't believe that he is going to be as focused uh, focus quite as heavily in this rotation moving forward, but it's not because it's a slight to him. It has everything to do with cap minutia and how they can get to where they eventually want to be and salary and all that jazz. So I'm going to give it to Deuce.
1: Can I go a little crazy for a
2: second? Please do. I'm going to say a name of a
1: player. The player whose name I'm going to say, I don't even know if it's arguable. I think he is the best pound for pound defender in the NBA. And I don't I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. And if he was if he was gonna be a free agent this upcoming offseason. Oh man, minimum non-taxpayer mid level exception. And I would guess that some cap space team would would make the plunge, especially since there are some freaking losers out there who are gonna have some cap space. And this is the sort of guy that breeds winning as evinced by the fact that his current team apparently he's not willing to talk about him in trades at all. And this is Alex Caruso. Now, Alex Caruso is um again, the I don't think it's a crazy statement to say he's the best pound for pound defender in the NBA. You could you might even be able to take out pound for pound just because he could he could guard obviously he could guard 1s, 2s, 3s. We've seen him guard Julius Randle and absolutely stifle Julius Randle. Now, Caruso's bigger than Deuce to be clear. He's 6-5 like he has he has Better size McBride. Um, he has a a better shooting track record. Although up until this year, this the dude like basically took like two to three threes a game. This year, he's upped it to four threes a game. So even that, though, in twenty five minutes a night, four threes a game is nothing in terms of attempts. Like he's not that willing, great connector on offense. So like the reason I bring up Caruso is he. Is a nominal point guard, I think, in a lot of the lineups he plays, but he doesn't initiate offense. He's not a guy that teams are threatened by, defenses are threatened by in the in the traditional sense. But he makes an impact offensively. Clearly, he makes an impact offensively, and then defensively. Like the reason you put him on the floor, you know, even if you may it may force you to make some interesting choices in terms of who else has to be out there to again, initiate the offense. It's so worth it. And you want this guy on the floor for 35 minutes a game, you know, like, are we that far away from Deuce being in that sort of conversation? You know, I I, I'm just, if this, if this is going to be with the, look, he's not going to shoot 50% from three. We know that, but even if he could shoot it at like 40%, 38% on catch and shoots, and he's got this pull-up now that he's pulling out every, every now and then. It, it's, it's an interesting conversation to me about like, all right, wh- what sort of player would you ideally want to put next to Deuce to make it more feasible to, to have these lineups work offensively? And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's what I'm wondering at this point.
2: You're you're saying not Caruso specifically, but a type of player like Caruso to fit next to Deuce. No, I mean like or, making the comp of
1: oh, Deuce, up. like Deuce being the Caruso gotcha. guy, but gotcha. but Caru- but, Caru- but like DeRozan or Levine or Kobe White, you right. know, initiates the offense for for Chicago. Uh,
2: you know they they would need they would need someone to do that in in an ideal world. It's the defensive end where there is a significant difference. Deuce gives nice effort. You know, I mean, we can look at what he does on the court and say, well, his very paltry, very low defensive EPM doesn't make sense. But when watching Caruso, I mean, especially because, as you mentioned, Caruso's 6'4, 6'5, and Deuce's 6'2, which is really tough. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a big, big difference to make up. So I don't think it's quite in that vein of what he would be as a player, but that's also fine because to me, and this is not a one to one comp either, but that archetype feels more like a Josh Hart focus with Caruso, and I don't mean that from the shooting perspective, right? Like obviously Caruso is a much better shooter than what Josh Hart has brought, but in the sense of uh, a guy who's not huge but can at times scale up against wings, but really probably better suited more towards guarding, uh, off ball point of attack, helping that sort of thing. I mean Caruso is, I would say, a better defender than Hart, but Hart's certainly great in his own right. But just that role of the guy that comes in the defense first hard nose can give you business on the defensive end and then play off ball offensively. It just that the way that Caruso operates probably more fungible than, than Hart with this team. Not that it matters, but that's why I think the comp for deuce is less Caruso, more someone who's surprisingly offensive focused where uh, they might need to bring more on the defensive end, but, can eventually get there. I, I don't know. It's like a um, uh, John Carter type, but better. Is the hope? Oh, yeah. For for someone, let I me mean, talk about the Bulls. Like sure, someone like that yeah. where can hit the shot, but Deuce's defensive edge is different from what Carter's is, and Carter brings more on the on defense, but less on offense. So it's kind of flipped in that sense. Um, I don't know. It's but Deuce is a good helpful player either way, which is important. I want to see more.
1: Like whatever trade they do or they they wind up making, and I think we both think that there's something else coming. I, I, it would be awesome if we could continue to see Deuce get minutes at least in the regular season. You know, like playoffs. My guess is like it'll probably well, it'll probably be like what he was last playoffs, right? Where he got a, maybe a little stint here, a little stint there, but maybe not part of like the the core rotation. Either way, it's been well deserving of this of this designation by you. Um I mean, it's a layup here. Uh, I waxed poetic about Tibbs last last night on the post game. Uh, so I, I feel bad doing it again. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to. Do you I, listen? Do you feel bad? I do feel a little bad. Mm-hmm. People hear me talking enough about Tibbs. Look, Tibbs is a great coach, in my opinion. Um, and. He, I don't know what his contract terms are, but he gets very well compensated for that. He doesn't. He doesn't need anybody's praise, and frankly, he doesn't care about anybody's praise. And like, I don't think he cares that much about the 500 wins thing. Um, Nice moment for him. I'm going to go with Hardenstein. Um, I have to go with Hardenstein because it it really like, and it's it was last season too, because last season like the same freaking thing happened where Mitch went down and we looked at the schedule that was going to be ahead and we're like oh my god this team's going to fall apart how are they going to possibly make it to the all-star break in one piece and then they that's when they excelled and that's when they really pumped you know put their foot on the gas and eventually Mitch came back and they traded for Hart and the whole thing and it's like the same thing has happened again and um the the biggest i mean imagine if somebody had told us A month ago, because now Mitch has been out for a month, um, more than a month actually. Imagine if somebody had told us a month from when Mitch went out that the biggest concern about the center position is that Isaiah Hardenstein is playing too many minutes. Not a drop in effectiveness, not anything of that sort, but that Isaiah Hardenstein is playing two minutes. Like we would have been like, oh, that's a great freaking problem to have. Um, so you know, I'm. I'm very interested to see how and if they address the center position at the trade deadline, because it doesn't, as does the potential acquisition of another ball handler. It doesn't just impact this season, what they do at the trade deadline regarding the center position may speak to what they think will happen this summer in terms of, of what they do at the center spot. Um, But he's been awesome. You can't say enough about him. And, um, it's just really cool to have that dude on the team. He's he's a lot. Of, he's a fun guy to watch too.
2: I would agree. Yes, of course. He had fan, another fantastic week. The Knicks this past week were denied disabled player exception for Mitchell Robinson, of course, indicating that the panel felt that Mitchell Robinson could come back before June fifteenth, which gives some hope, of course. And I think that the, whatever move the Knicks or moves the Knicks make at the deadline will give us an insight as to whether they think is Mitch going to be reevaluated eight to ten weeks from the initial injury and then given a green light not that long after, or if it's going to be later than that. But let's operate in a world where the Knicks do feel that Mitchell Robinson can come back. You, Jonathan Macri, would you bring Mitchell Robinson off the bench, or would you reinsert him into the starting lineup, assuming he has a few games, of course, to gel and get back into the swing of things?
1: Without question, I would con- I would bring him off the bench. I would agree. I, I, I actually I don't even think it's a conversation. I mean, I sure it's all everything's a conversation, but like, it I don't I don't really see the justification for it, especially since like, if you keep things the way they are, and for whatever reason it starts to not work as well, and Mitch is playing awesome, then you have that pivot, right? And you, but at the same time, you also have a built-in excuse, which is that it's working great right now. You're coming off a severe injury. We don't want to push you, um, so let's keep things as they are. Yeah, I don't
2: even think that's a conversation. Do you? I do. I would agree first and foremost. I I lean heavily in the keep I heart and the starting rotation. We know that the starting five is gelling, and that's really important. The reason I think it's worth a conversation is. I also, at the beginning of the season, felt, look, give Quentin Grimes time. It's silly to, the net rating is very strong. You don't need to do that. Of course, the Knicks made the change. Dante DiVincenzo came in. They look far better with DiVincenzo there than they do with Grimes. So I'm open to, hey, let's mix and match. Maybe just because it's working doesn't mean it can't work better. With that being said, I think your points are valid and how I would agree. You don't need to push Mitchell Robinson. You don't need to force the issue. It doesn't have to be Hey, IHeart. thanks for holding it down for Mitch. It's great that Mitch is back. And now you go into more of a reserve role saying, look, we can get also 25, 30 minutes of Isaiah Hartenstein, fill in the rest with Mitchell Robinson. And if we want to close games with Mitch, we can absolutely do that because Tibbs, it's not always how you start. It's oftentimes how you finish and have his preset rotations. Of course, Mitch being a better offensive rebounder, we know what he did in the Cleveland series. Like you think about, hey, if the Knicks were matched up like that, would you want Mitch back there considering how well he dominated. But that's also something that the Knicks can retool on the fly as opposed to in integrating that in such a way. But yes, ultimately worth the conversation, but I would not go in the direction of starting Mitch if he were healthy enough to start playing again.
1: Something I just thought of as you were talking about. Um, I wonder, because right now either Brunson or Julius Randall is always on the floor. Um, and actually that's, uh, well, that wasn't true last night, but that's because they didn't have Brunson, but like when they have both of those guys, one of those guys is always on the floor. I wonder if they would use Mitch, because we've seen Thibodeau do some different substitution patterns in terms of when he takes... Brunson out and then reinserts Brunson versus you know when he takes Randall out and reinserts Randall. I wonder if he would match up Mitch because he it's, he could probably have it either way if he wants. I wonder if he would match up Mitch with Brunson or match up Mitch with Julius. And I I could see arguments for both. I kind of th- I kind of would like to see him match up
2: Mitch with the Brunson only minutes. Well, um, I would agree. I'll tell you why because as you were. Discussing that, I thought, oh, let me let me see some facts to back that up. And the Knicks this past season, with Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett off the court because they're no longer here, and Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson on the court, cleaning the glass, has this for 347 possessions as a difference of negative 3.4. That would rank in the 32nd percentile. It's the 26th percentile on offense, and it is the 56th percentile on defense. Now, if you did Randall and iHeart and still had IQ and RJ off the floor, 623 possessions, 99th percentile, that's plus 17.4. The offense is in the 99th percentile. The defense is the 83rd percentile. So to your point, maybe it's not worthy of conversation because if <laughs> Randall is excelling without Mitchell Robinson, and end, there's something to be said, of course, of moving forward. Where if you've got Randall and maybe things aren't quite working <clears throat> with Mitchell Robinson, that you explore other ways moving forward. That's moving forward. That's different. And I'm sure also there are fans out there like, all right, again, what is it where RJ plays better without Randall? Mitch plays better without Randall, but the Knicks would be keeping Randall in this whole. it doesn't make sense. And I hear it. But of course, also Julius Randall is a superior player to all three of those guys, and based on how they're moving, they can still build around him. But I digress. The fact that the numbers are so stark. Even though you'd like a few more possessions uh, than three forty seven, but that's still a very strong sample size, yeah, it tells me having Mitch away from the Randall minutes, keeping iheart in the fold, that's what probably will help the Knicks a lot moving forward.
1: And if, again, they go out and they get themselves another guy who could really generate a little bit of offense to put that guy in as the first sub. Uh, essentially, or like the, you know, if if Brunson goes out early to, so you got who are, you know, player X along with Randall and Harnstein, and then you start to mix it up that way. Like this, this team could really do some fun things. So that's why for as much as, as watching them, there there are these stretches of games where it's really frustrating. Like they're not far away, I think, from being a more complete team once again. Um, Okay. On that note, detention. Um, not an undefeated week. So we give out an attention given to a player, coach or entity that deserves to sit down for a while and think about what they did wrong. First candidate, Julius Randall, a uh, little under 30% from three this week on 17 attempts with 12 turnovers and several stretchers of unserious basketball. Thank you, Andrew for that. Uh, Josh Hart, uh, 33, 22, 66 splits this week, 10 for his last 44 from three. Uh, not, not what you want. Uh, Although he did hit a big three last night. I'll say that in Memphis. That was an important fourth quarter three. Jalen Brunson, um, this may be sacrilege, but in the two games he played this week, he shot 39% from the field and 23% from three. I don't make the rules. Parentheses. I totally do. Close parentheses. Um, Fourth candidate, whoever gave that anonymous quote to Steve Popper, chicken shit. And that's if if you have any, if you want to get the PR guy involved, sick the PR guy on Andrew. Not me. That's Andrew's typing. And then finally, Chicago Bulls fans. That was disgraceful. Oh,
2: boy, I have a lot to pick from here. Um, Quick question. Do we need to get Drew in the room with Andrew for some of these comments? Because it's feisty. And I just don't know how Drew would respond to that as a result.
1: I really would love to see them in the same room. Me too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny I was <laughs> this is really a little off topic my daughter uh recently watched all of Full House the original uh, series and then Fuller House and then like towards the end of the show they had some episode where Michelle and well, both of the twins that played Michelle the both of the Olsen sisters were like I forget why, how they did this, but like they were both on screen at the same time. I'm just thinking of that when I think of Andrew and Drew on, on the screen at the same time. Ah, uh, But I digress. Ah, uh, boy. Why would you think that?
2: I, I don't know. I, I just have no idea. We look nothing alike. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs>
1: One had the glasses, and yeah, the other doesn't. It's exactly. a exactly.
2: Superman thing where I wouldn't suspect either was the other. Exactly. Right. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. I have, I've never seen the two of you in the same place at once, but that's just, that's me because we Drew's recently
0: hired. So. We were on the same live stream together, so like, you did, not the, on screen at the same time, right. but of course. we're in the same YouTube window at the mm-hmm. same time. That's great or point. to
1: use another ABC comp, uh, ABC Family Television comp, uh, Steve Urkel versus Stefan. Mm. Urkel. And clearly GMAC is Stefan. That Much like mm-hmm. that con, better. There you go. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be going to go unpopular direction here. I'm going to give it to Josh Hart. Um, I, there were a couple; those those last two were both very tempting. I maybe leave one of them for you. I've people have complained about Josh Hart off and on this season to me during post games and and occasionally in like comments to the newsletter and whatnot. And I've. I've defended him because I really like Josh Hart. I I like Josh Hart as a player. I like what he brings. And I think you need that. I think it's valuable for the Knicks. I will never forget the impact he had when he came here last season. Josh Hart got paid a shit ton of money this summer. And he he got paid that amount of money with the full knowledge that like, in a league where... it, it, It is a league where if you are a perimeter player and Josh Hart is a perimeter player, and you do not have a a shot that is threatening to opposing defenses, like, it's a tough, that's a little little needle of the thread there. But we were okay with it because of everything else Josh Hart brings and everything else he he contributes. This season has been underwhelming, even with the shot being iffy, which again is like part of the package. This season has been underwhelming from Josh Hart. And I think Josh Hart needs to be better. And I would guess that Josh Hart also would admit to himself that he needs to be better. Um, So like, I'm not killing the guy, but I just, I I want to at least honor all of those people who are like, man, really Josh Hart for that amount of money for that amount of years.
2: Like I get it. And I, I think it's, it's valid. Josh Hart was going to be my pick if you hadn't selected him. So I think that's fair. The only rebuttal I will say to the Josh Hart point. Yes, I get the, Nick gave him a, a nice chunk of change. That's something that has to be considered. He was red hot when he came to New York. But of course, now he, that was last season. This is this season. He's cooled off. What I would say against all of that is his extension hasn't kicked in. So we're talking about a player where it's not, oh, well, it has to, you have to validate the contract that has not even begun. It's if you look at Josh Hart this season, has he given you $13 million worth of value? I think he would. I don't think that he would give you $18 million worth of value, which is what his contract is starting next season. But that's next season. That's not this season. So, but even then, I think it would be, it's underwhelming play, especially considering everything that's going into it. But I, I feel that $13 million really isn't that far off from the value of a player in his position. Now, the other thing is if the Knicks prioritize him as a sixth man, then which they in many ways are... Then it makes it even more difficult because it feels like it's not just a guy coming off the bench in a key role. It's the sixth man in this offense, the sixth man in this team. And the Knicks did so well in getting the best bang for their buck out of quickly that I think the shift from one to the other feels difficult. But he has been underwhelming. The shot has to come around. Still give it time. It's still like, again, I wouldn't say it's a bad contract, even if he's continuing to play like this. I'd say it's not a great contract. I don't think he's going anywhere and then it won't restrict the Knicks in terms of their movement. So it's, I agree. It's fine. It, yeah. It's like, if we're counting pennies, it's not like, well, if the Knicks gave Josh Hart $3 million less next season or every single season, that amount that you're saving, it's not like you're getting cap space. You're probably going to be over the apron at some point, the first apron anyway. So it won't restrict them. It just, it would be nice if he were helpful. Uh, so if we're, if we're pinching pennies there, I, I moving forward, I just want people to keep that in mind. I, sorry, would you, anything to say? No, I was going to
1: say, like, I'm just really happy you made that point because it was, it does a bad job by me bringing up the contract without adding that context. And the context is is vital because it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference. Like, this is not, I don't know if this is the perfect comp, but like, Zach Levine, there are reports that like he's untradeable because no one wants to take on 40 plus million dollars a year. Mm. To have a, a maybe a 25 to 30 million dollar a year player who's making 40, three
2: or 44 is very, very different than having maybe a 13 or $14 million a year player that's making, you know, 17 or 18. Agreed. But I think it's valid to at least acknowledge the contract part because I'm sure a lot of people are feeling exactly that way. My struggle for picking the detention is quite frankly, I think both Brunson and Randall are very deserving candidates. Just wasn't a great week for either of them. And I think it's good that both of them are here. But because I can't decide which one to pick, I'm not going to pick either of them. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to actually pick the Chicago Bulls fans for booing Ah, Jerry Krause. So it's really difficult, especially in this era with so much parody, to win multiple titles. For the Bulls to have won six titles in the 90s and still have been a very good team, even when Michael Jordan, uh, let's just say, found a reason to go play uh, minor league baseball for whatever reason that may be. Um, For what Jerry Krause was able to do as an architect with that team was fantastic. And someone made a great point on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but it was considering how Phil Jackson failed miserably here, how Michael Jordan ran a terrible team in Charlotte, you would think there'd be more appreciation for how difficult it is to put a winning basketball team on the court and Michael Jordan being the greatest basketball of all time certainly helps you but it's not like it was just hey Michael Jordan who crafts didn't draft there's also the Reinsdorf factor which is that Jerry Reinsdorf is one of the worst governors owners whatever you would like to use the term for in professional sports does not like to spend I think as of recent uh, recently they gave the White Sox gave a player and Andrew would certainly know this what was like the largest contract ever. I think it was Ben and and it was a very palatable free agent deal. So they don't spend, they don't care to boo his widow pretty shitty uh, on a night where you're supposed to be celebrating everyone on top of that for the commentator, Stacey King to say, this happens in New York, this happens in Philly. It doesn't happen here in Chicago. That's great. I was going to add this as people have mentioned, uh, Stacey, it did indeed happen in chicago um you know like we can talk about midwest nice as much as we want uh it doesn't matter it was you have to own that it's fine because it's understandable why you have to deal with the chicago bears because that's what you kind of deserve if that's what you're saying for the best time in chicago sports in the last 25 years and yes i'm putting the dynasties over say 35 years putting that those bulls teams over the cubs world series win which look maybe customers disagree, but there's only one Chicago basketball team and there are two Chicago baseball teams. So it just, it felt so crappy to, especially with the uh, MJ doc, which I loved. Look, I love the last dance, all of it. If you realize that this is purely um, uh, subjective and it's written in the lens of Michael Jordan and we're now talking about a deceased person who can't even defend himself. It just feels like, continuing to to beat a dead horse. And I think it's terrible. So congratulations, Bulls fans. I hope you enjoy, uh, you reap what you sow. So uh, yeah, congratulations on that. Not a great look. And uh, a lot of things that New Yorkers and, and Philly fans would say, but I don't know if booing Jerry Krause's widow is within the same realm of anything that we would do
1: um two things i would argue that the phil jackson coaching hire given phil's resume which was not exactly like it wasn't great i mean the dude was a cba coach and like mm-hmm. kind of had a very particular way about him so i'm not sure how many other gms would have hired phil jackson as t- to coach their team um i would argue that like it's up there with it's up there with Riley and Pop in terms of like the most inspired coaching hires of the last forty five years. You want to throw Spo in there too, right? Like it took mm-hmm. it took something to to make that hire. And then I was just looking through the, the list of the seventy five greatest players ever, and I would argue that the Pippin. It wasn't just the pick; it was trading for the pick that he that he used to take. Pippin. So there was some machinations there mm-hmm. to go up and get that guy at, at the fifth spot. I mean, in terms of more inspired draft picks, this the trade for the, the draft day trade to get Kawhi Leonard, taking Giannis at fifteen, certainly. Yeah um, I don't really over the last like forty, forty-five years, I don't know how many more are really going to get Dirk if you're Dallas, certainly. But like it, it's up there, the and pick, and then obviously to get to get Horace Grant and and um, uh, in the same draft, pretty pretty cool. And then everything else, like the dude did a great job. And like he, to me, the the booing is much more a conversation about the power of of narratives in mm-hmm. modern media, and obviously the the impact that The Last Dance had, and how I guess we've just lost the ability to. I, I don't know that we've ever had the ability to think independently. Um, whatever, we don't need to go down this road. But it was unfortunate all around, and it's just it's uh, it sucks. So yeah, predictions. Um, and we are going right to the games. Yes, uh, four games this week, uh, including a back to back, which is not ideal. But hopefully, the competition will make it a little bit more tenable. Uh, Monday, home versus the Orlando Magic. That is uh, a 3 p.m. game because it's uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. day. Wednesday, Houston uh, at home. Washington, Thursday at home. So that's the back-to-back. And then um, Saturday in what will be a... I, I don't even know what kind of atmosphere that's going to be. It's going be, gonna to be spirited, to say the least, against the Toronto Raptors, which quickly and RJ make their return. Um... I took one and two last week after you took two and one. I'm happy that I wish they would have gone three and oh, but the silver lining is I didn't, I didn't
2: have to live with my shame. Uh, so you get to pick. I'm going to go with three and one. But with that said, I'm a little nervous and I'll tell you why. The first is that the last two seasons, uh, it just feels like the Knicks on Martin Luther King Jr. Day have been abysmal. That Hornets game that they played two years ago, dreadful. That Raptors game, really not one that I'd like to relive. Now, granted, of course, different teams, different situations, but the Magic, I feel like they've played the Knicks decently over the last couple of years. They've got some great size there. But I'll, you know, with Brunson getting a, a day off, and I'm glad that he was given the game off to really recoup and set stage for this because the Knicks have a chance if they beat the Magic to give them far more breathing room about falling into the play-in. Because the Magic are, mm. I think, two and a half back right now as things stand. Yeah, look at uh, them. They're, they're two games back. So being able to stretch it to three and create more separation between the eight seed and the Knicks, very vital. The second that I'm worried about isn't, and I, I could say this overlooking the Rockets or the Wizards on a, a back-to-back at MSG, is, of course, the Raptors game where there's plenty, I'm sure, for Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett to prove. Now, I would imagine there's plenty for OG Ananobi and maybe Precious Chachua and probably not Malachi Flynn unless there's an injury to prove against their old team as well. But you just hope that it's not the Raptors taking their annual trip to the Garden and rattling off a win. So I still feel okay about 3-1. and one. It's what I'll root for. Uh, I'm not going to have your cake and eat it two position that you might be in, but I'm going to, f- I feel good about the week. So with some trepidation, yes, but nevertheless, three and one for me.
1: I'm going to stick with the same trend recently and be negative Nelly and I'll go two and two. Um, Orlando's good. Houston's good. Uh, Washington is not good. They just kicked the crap out of the Hawks, which I think says more about the Hawks.
2: My God. I would dissolve the franchise if I were Atlanta right now. That's, uh, I mean, I know DeJounte Murray wasn't playing. I don't know if DeJounte Murray is going to be the difference between a uh, a 30 point or 28 point loss and like winning the game. But Jesus, that was terrible, which I, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's hilarious. I didn't even realize. I thought he played. Was he, did he didn't play? I thought Dejan Murray took the game off. He may, if he did play and I Hold on. saw it, but yeah, but yeah, no, he, he, he played? no, you know oh. why he got confused? No, that's right. Yeah. He he played, he was abysmal and he shot for
1: 15. So actually even worse. he did take the game off. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> cause I know there were questions about his hamstring leading up to the game yeah. and he wound up playing after all. So that's, it's even worse. Okay. Yeah, it is worse. Um, yeah, I'll go two and two.
1: Um, look, I hope they go four and zero. I could absolutely see them going four and zero. Would not surprise me in the least. Um, they have, and this is even with the Dallas game. Since the OG Anunoby trade, the Knicks have forget about the number one defense in the league because they do the the gap between. This is as of Sunday morning. The gap between them over these seven games. The gap between them and the number two defense in the league, which is the Timberwolves, is the same as the gap between the Timberwolves. And the fifteenth ranked Sixers, mm-hmm. so like far and away the best defense. Now the competition has not been great, but at the same time you look at these teams that they're playing here, and who's the best offense of of this group? I it would uh, by the numbers it is Toronto, and they are the fifteenth best offense in the league. Houston ranks twenty first, Orlando ranks twenty fourth, and the Wizards rank twenty fifth. So. I think that's a good sign. Again, they could go four and zero. I certainly think they could go three and one. I would have picked three and one. The reason why I, I, you know, played devil's advocate, we all are assuming Brunson didn't play in the Memphis game because it was it was Memphis and it's like we'll give him a night off. It, we don't know that. Like, so if Brunson, like if Brunson misses the game against Orlando, like I. Would kind of expect the Knicks to lose against the Magic, which I probably shouldn't say, but that's genuinely how I feel. Um, and or at the very least, have it be a really tight game down the stretch. And like, I'll be honest, I kind of trust the Magic more in a close game down the stretch at this point, even on the road, because Paolo has been that good. Um, so anyway, let's hope Brunson plays. Um, and who is this? Two and five in two thousand twenty-four. Who's who's two and five in two thousand twenty-four? and Magic.
2: Who's Oh, the Magic. Okay. They had a, I will say though, they had a very tough West Coast trip and one of those wins was in Denver. So there's, I get it. I just think that's also a little flawed. But with that said, going to New York is not an easy place to play. So it's not like the roll no. rollover. but they've won in harder conditions. I mean, Denver is the hardest place for any professional, uh, sports cities to come into and, and beat. Um, they just have the altitude is tremendous home field home court advantage
1: and even going a step further they're two and six in their last eight but those those losses close loss in Phoenix close loss in Golden State um, a double overtime loss in Sacramento and then the win in Denver that you just mentioned um, a win against Atlanta because everybody beats the Hawks and then they lost to the Wolves number one team in the West at Miami who have been playing great and then at Oklahoma City who's the second or third best team in the West so it's like you know, whatever. We don't have to go deep on the magic, but they're also dealing with injuries, so we'll see if that's if that's going to come into play. Um, look, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I that's I think the better way to go. Okay, announcements. Um, let's go uh, back and forth here. So pregame pod with Jonathan Osborne of the Sixth Man Show. Um, it is probably available uh, right now as you were listening to this. Worst case scenario will be available by the time you,
2: by by like 3 a.m. Eastern time. So that is um, previewing uh, the Magic game. We've got a post game show that will be with XJ and Mensa. That'll be after Nick's Magic. So check that out. Um, See Jeremy Cohen as Cream returns. All the cream you want
1: uh, in plentiful quantities with again, Jeremy Cohen giving you the Cream. That is on Tuesday night at
2: 8pm. Yeah. Saving all my cream for you. Um, huge Enix announcement. It was specifically a KFS announcement. It'll be coming sometime as uh, if, if you're listening to this today. Monday or Tuesday. We'll figure it out, but stay tuned because that'll be a lot of fun. And then I'll add something else, which is not on the list, but uh, dropped a little bit more merch. We'll have more merch coming as well. So if you want to check that out, stay warm because it's getting cold for a lot of people. We've got you covered. we got socks. we got hoodies we got hats we got everything so well beanies maybe we'll maybe we'll have baseball hats well maybe maybe we'll see I gotta get a beanie
1: I gotta get a beanie I, I haven't I haven't had a beanie that I have really liked in a while
2: and I could use a good beanie yeah, got solid colors we got tie dye it's all fun so I, I don't get, know if I'd go the tie dye room I think you should rock a, the pink tie dye one I think you could do it I think you could pull it off there's a pink tie dye beanie yes there is I don't want to go to
1: the merch store right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll do that on my own time. Um, GMAC, thank you for uh, your work on the ones and twos. Jeremy Cohen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank <laughs> for you, For <John>. your service. <laughs> least <take> I it do. <laughs> and everybody out there, thanks for uh, checking out another episode of the next film school podcast. Uh, as you heard, we got a bunch of stuff coming up this week. Uh, so, and, and uh, as a reminder for anybody who may be new here, If and when a trade breaks or any kind of significant news breaks between now and the deadline or whenever after, uh, check Nick's Film School. uh, The YouTube channel will almost always be able to go live with uh, rapid reaction right away. So uh, we are your station for all things, Nick's. And be sure to uh, take care of us if you would so. Uh, be inclined give us a five star review leave a nice or a five star rating give us a nice review obviously subscribe to the YouTube channel all that stuff uh, thank you have a great week and we will talk to you soon peace out